0: Our lesson tonight is a little bit different than the ones I've done in the past as we've uh, wanted us tonight to look at some events that took place, as we find in the Bible, took place in caves. Uh, I think there are some things we can uh, learn from this. And we know, as you look throughout the Bible, we find that things happen and, and different events took place. In a wide range of areas. You have to remember Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days, Uh, and so we think about uh, we think about events such as that. We think about men being cast down to cast into a burning fiery furnace. We think about men being cast into uh, the den of lions. We think about various locations and places that house incredible events throughout the Bible. And caves is one that popped out to me because it's one, first of all, it's one I've never done a lesson on before. But, but we find as we look at in, throughout the Bible, you do find some particularly interesting events that did take place in caves. And I want to show us some, some things that I think we can uh, learn from this. The purposes of caves range depending on really the context. Sometimes it, they are used for protection Sometimes they are used for seeking enemies, sometimes they are used for hiding from enemies, and sometimes they are used for what I simply call meditation or times where uh, someone would go to a cave and end up talking with God. And so I want us to begin first by looking at some events that did take place in caves and we find the first thing I want us to notice are those uh, to whom God spoke to while in a cave. The first one I have listed here is Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, beginning here in verse 9. Here the Bible says, "...and there he went into a cave, and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah?" So he said, "...I have, have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel. For, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone, and left, and they seek to take my life." As we go thro- through the rest of this, we know as we look at verses ten, excuse me, verse 11 through verse 18 that this is taking place because Jezebel was actually pursuing the, the prophets of God and killing them, and she had told Elijah that basically if you're not dead by this time tomorrow, uh, you know, then basically she's going to take matters into her own hands verse 11 says then he said go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord this is the Lord speaking to him behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord the Lord was not in the wind and after and after the wind and earthquake the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire still a small after, and after the fire a, small, a still small voice so it was when uh, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been, been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, am left and they seek to take my life. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint uh, Hazel as king over Syria. And also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nemeshai as king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Jephahai of abel Mahola. I'm mispronouncing all these names. You shall anoint as a prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of, of Hazel, we find here in verse 17. I'm a paraphrase. I don't miss mess up all these names again. Whoever escapes one person's sword is going to face the wrath of another person's sword. There in verse 17. And then verse 18, Yet I have reserved 7,000 Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that have, has not kissed him. So we find here in 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18, where Elijah has has ran and fled to the cave, and God has, is speaking to him. And no doubt this was a time of great encouragement for this prophet of God, because he fled because Jezebel was, was pursuing him, and others were pursuing him to kill all the prophets of God he felt very much alone but we find here as we look in this section that Elijah discovers while he's in this cave while God is speaking to him that he is indeed not alone verse 18 says yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel and all and all whose knees are not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him and so again this is a time of great encouragement and that just happens to take place in a very unique location you think about some places you may go to find encouragement, places you may go to find solitude, I really doubt the first thing on your list is going to be a cave. But here for Elijah, this was where he was going, one, to for protection, and two, also, uh, we find that God uses this as a time to speak to him and to encourage him. Another occasion where someone has God speak to them as a, in a cave is Moses, back in Exodus chapter 33, and verse 21 through verse 23. Here the Bible says, The Lord said, Here is a place by Me. You shall stand on the rock, and so it shall be while My glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and and will cover you with My hand while I pass by, that I will take away My hand, you shall see My back, but My face shall not be seen. Many believe that this cleft of the rock here is a reference to the opening of a cave. And so the idea that He passes by this opening and these events take place here as described. But again, a very interesting event uh, the Lord says here in verse 21, He says, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be when my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And so no doubt a very interesting, unique event taking place. Again, here the cleft a reference to what well, may be believed to be the entrance to uh, a cave there. And so we have those to whom God spoke to Elijah and Moses, but also we have those who are simply mentioned as fleeing to a cave. Uh, We know Elijah could also fall in this category, but Lot also fled to a cave in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 30. The Bible says, And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him. For he was afraid to dwell in Zoar, and he and his daughters dwelt in a cave. If you remember, this was after a time of great destruction. After a time of great destruction, they are going to dwell in this cave, no doubt, for a place of safety. And so not uncommon we find uh, caves being referenced as a place of safety for those who who were followers of God, especially in Old Testament time, those who were dwelling in caves. We also find in 1 Samuel 24 that a cave is where David found Saul, but he decided to spare him there in in En-Gedi. In 1 Samuel 24, verses 1-4, through Now it happened when Saul returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En-Gedi. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. And so it came to pass, so, so he came to the sheepfolds of the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the, in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do it to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. One of the events that shows the mercy of David. It would also we found that no doubt Saul was going here for a place of protection. David also had been using caves for protection. As the Bible points out there uh, in verse 3, uh, So he came to the sheepfolds of the road where there was a cave, and Saul went into, into his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave, and so they too were there for the same reason, for protection. But David used this time to show that he could no doubt have taken the life of Saul, though he did not do so. We also find, look at First Kings chapter 18, the, the cave where the uh, cave is also where Obadiah hid the prophets of God. at First Kings 18 and verse 4, so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and, and had fed them with bread and water. And so again, another important event that takes place in, in the cave. Uh, referencing this time with Obadiah hiding the prophets of God from Jezebel. It's not uncommon when you find the name Jezebel in the Bible that many times evil is surrounded by her name. And no doubt here again in 1 Kings chapter 18. And so really so far we've seen some examples of good things you could say that have happened in caves. David showing mercy, the promise of God being hid there, Lot fleeing to a cave for safety, Moses going there, Elijah going there, and God speaking to him. Uh, we also have those who sometimes reference tombs as being caves. and We know Christ was in, was placed into a tomb, but sometimes people refer to that as a, as a cave. Uh, I didn't include that with this. But I did have one time, uh, at least that I'm aware of, where we find that wicked things did take place. And that's in Joshua chapter 10, when the uh, five king, wicked kings were hidden in Joshua chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. Well, these fat five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a the cave at Mecca, and it was still Joshua. Seeing the five kings have been found hidden in the cave at Mecca, remember they actually seal that, and they come back to those kings later after the battle is over, and they deal with them basically one by one. But these five kings were were hidden there. Uh, I say a bad event because they were wicked people, uh, and so this cave was used. Uh, cave was used to house these wicked kings now those are the events that i have listed for taking place in caves and so this begs the question what can we do to apply this to us today every person in that list went to a cave for a certain reason and the first thing i want to think about is why, where do we go for places such as for a place of protection as we saw with, with Lot and with uh, with Saul who was using it, but it didn't work out well for him. David also was using it. Obadiah used it. And where do we go for a place of solitude like Elijah and Moses used as well? Before we go into that, looking at where we can go for those types of places, if we first want to make a comparison about what the world does and what the world where the world goes for places of protection in places of so-called solitude and so where does the world go well again, I really doubt they actually go to a physical cave but many times figuratively I think people do go to, into a, a place uh, in a figure sense to be alone be away be away from certain things at least away from what away from certain people even though they may be surrounding themselves with another group of people. Uh, but where do they go for their, for their place of comfort? Or their place of protection? Rather, as that is our first point as we think about this idea. Uh, how do friends, worldly friends, offer protection from mental harm? When someone who is a non-Christian is in time needing some protection in a difficult situation, how can their friends help them? You know, many times they, they actually offer we'll talk a little more later, they actually offer to to bring them to someone else, to another source, for help. Uh, how do friends offer protection from mental harm? I mean, many times that's what a lot of it about is about, but we understand sometimes people do seek protection from physical harm for various reasons. But when we think about protection from mental harm, well, friends sometimes uh, will will refer someone to a counselor or therapist. Uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing depending upon though what their standard for right and wrong is. You know there are counselors and therapists out there today that do a very good job of trying to send someone on a path that actually is going to be helpful to them. And it's not based upon the changing standards of the world, but it's actually based upon some biblical principles in order to help people. Uh, but that is not always the case. And worldly friends will seldom refer someone to a counselor or a therapist who actually has standards that are, that are noble and right. While, well, we have to think about this as well. Friends can listen, and this is good and comforting. And think about going for, to a place of protection. Friends can be encouragement during difficult times, but only if their standard of right and wrong is based upon the biblical principles. You know, there's nothing wrong with seeking advice from friends if it's the right kind of friends that we're going to. You know, there's a lot of people who are ready and willing to offer up their advice, but does that really mean that we should really be seeking their advice? There's a lot of people out there ready to offer up opinions and things, but in reality, they're actually not going to help anyone. And so, we have to make sure that uh, we are not like those who are who are not the non-Christian who goes to worldly people seeking advice. Uh, friends give me encouragement during difficult times, but again, only if there's standard of right and wrong. Is based upon biblical principles. Now, we think about the world's idea of going someplace for protection or for help. Many times, it's surrounding themselves with other worldly people. Many times, it's going to events that are really not going to help them at all. You know, you think about those who are stressed out about money or stressed out about certain things in their lives. One of the first things you are being invited to is some type of a, some type of a party that really is not going to do anything to help them at all. It's actually going to make matters worse. But what about the place of solitude for the non-Christian, for the worldly person? What is their place of solitude? And I think many times that those who are not Christians, when we think about a place of solitude, they really have a misunderstanding about that. Is it possible to have a place of solitude surrounded by worldly friends? When we say worldly friends, we mean those who are going to give you suggestions and advice that can actually harm you and definitely harm you spiritually. Is that really a place of solitude? You know, solitude, We think about a place of solitude, is a place that's meant to be encouraging, a place that's meant to be uh, also restful, peaceful. But is it possible to have a place of solitude surrounded by worldly friends who only are wanting to uh, invite you to do things that are wicked? A place of solitude surrounded by my, my friends can be comforting, but oftentimes their solitude is very short-lived. You know, it's portrayed many times in movies where worldly people try to help out one another, and too many times it happens in a bar in a movie or in a TV show or it happens at a party. You know, just come out with this whatever the case, you know, you'll have fun, whatever, and that's their idea of giving you a place of solitude. That's not true solitude. That's not helping you at all. The purpose of a place of solitude is to provide a time for you to improve and to find answers to whatever it is you're trying to to overcome. Human friendships often look uh, for another helpful source. And make no mistake, uh, friends can be a great help if they are the right friends. You must keep in mind that friends that pull you away from God or suggest ungodly advice are of no help if they suggest things that are actually go against god that are unbiblical is it really helpful advice if it's going to hinder your walk with god if it's going to cause you to miss opportunities to worship to worship god and it's not godly advice if your place or time of solitude is being alone what do you do for encouragement and knowledge of how to handle situations? This is a question we want to ask those who are non-Christians. Where do you go for, for help? Where do they go? Well, you know, movies and, and t- television shows portray certain things, but I think many times they're actually pretty straightforward and pretty correct on where the world goes for help. And it, they go at the wrong place. The Bible is the source for all help even for the non-Christian, because it will lead them to a place where they can find true help and true, lasting, uh, godly, and helpful advice. So if we think about some lessons for us today, really we want to think about where does the Christian go? Where does the Christian go for protection? Now, we're not thinking about, I don't think about this in the sense of physical protection, because if we feel like we are in harm's way, we're probably better off calling the police or something of that nature. But we're talking about protection from difficult situations and mental things. We should find a spot, be able to find a place where we can go for protection. The Christian can have the right place for protection. You know, God spoke to Elijah during a time of fear in First Kings chapter 19 and verses 1 through 3. This is prior to God speaking to Elijah. The Bible says here in verse one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, "So that the gods do to me, and more also, if I, do not, if I do not make your life as the one, as make your life as as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time." And when he saw that, he arose, ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Where was he going for protection? Well, he was going away from her, first of all. So, what does that tell us? And when we're able to do so, remove yourself from whatever that dangerous situation may be. It may be, if we're talking about a marital type of thing, it may be we remove ourselves for a time so we can have counseling things take place, counseling type events take place, uh, sessions and things such as that. But many times, friends, if we think about protection, it's not just from physical harm, it's protection from the influence of others. If other individuals are influencing us to do, to do wrong, we need to remove ourselves from them. And here with Elijah, what does he do when he's in harm's way? He runs; He's running away from, from Jezebel, first of all, so he doesn't die. But we also know that, he, that God actually speaks to him in the cave. And Elijah doesn't tell God, I don't want to hear it, I'm too afraid, I'm not going to listen to you. He never says that. He listens to God. And that's something else we have to think about. If we're going to find true protection, we have to listen to God. And today we do that by praying to God and opening up His Word and listening to what God's Word has to say. No doubt Elijah was hiding, but God spoke to him to encourage him as you find later in in chapter 19. When we speak to God through prayer, we too will be encouraged if we will go to God in prayer. This place of protection and encouragement does not have to be a cave. It just has to be you and God. And so, again, we talked about this literal places of caves being used, but for us today, it's many times it's pulling ourselves away from certain people, out of certain situations. Surrounding ourselves with other individuals. And in that way, we find our place of protection. It may not be a literal place. It may, just be a, 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 it may just be surrounded by the right people, which can provide that protection from harmful and no doubt tempting situations. Situations that may tempt us to sin. What about a place of solitude? The Christian can't have the right place or time for solitude. I put it in there, time, because it doesn't have to be a physical location. Solitude can just be a time when we sit down and we decide, I'm going to use this time to pray, to study, and to meditate and think about God's Word and how we can how I can overcome or handle whatever the situation may be that we may be facing. <clears throat> for some of us, this may be a place surrounded by friends and brethren. The place of solitude again doesn't have to be necessarily alone all 100 percent of the time, but it doesn't need, does need to be a place where we can be encouraged. For some of us, this may be a place or a time when you are alone. You know, we think about a place of solitude. Yes, it can be a, a place where we are surrounded by the right people, and so we find solitude from others. You know, when we come together with the church, or we're not being Generally speaking, are we not being protected from and finding a place of solitude that's away from the world? It's a place that's a place that's away from the wicked influence of the world. But for some of us, it may be a place or a time when you are indeed actually alone. Whatever the place or time, it should be used for improvement. It should be used for encouragement. We think about Elijah, we think about Moses think about all these situations and so many of them involve, directly involve praying to God or God speaking to them in communication with God back and forth. Now for us today, we realize that God does not speak to us directly like He spoke to Elijah or like He spoke to Moses and a few others. But we do find what God wants us to do and how we are to respond to situations by going and looking into God's Word. We find examples of men and women who are approved of in the side of God and how they handle situations and how God approved of their response. And we can find encouragement from that as well. We think about men. We think about people like Joseph. He literally fled and left everything behind to get away from a from scene of temptation. We think about uh, the three friends who faced the fiery furnace because they were not willing to fall after and give in to ungodliness and give in to falling after a false god. We think about others like Daniel who faced hardships and they remained loyal to God and came through all those situations (laughs) because they knew where to go. You think about those three friends, they prayed to God. We think about Joseph, he prayed constantly if you look at his life. Look at Daniel, he prayed all the time. In fact, one of the reasons he ended up in the lions' den is because he was praying. He knew where to go for protection. He knew where to go to find a place of solitude. And it was for him, literally, many times, being alone and praying to God. So, we want to end this, this evening by thinking about these last two questions. What is your place for protection? If you want to get away from harm, you want to get away from the spiritual, uh, from, from temptation from the world. Was your place of protection? When you think about your place of solitude, or your time of solitude, do you have a time of solitude? Do you have a time to be alone, or a place where you can go to be alone? You know, it's interesting to think about these types of things, and I think sometimes we really overthink it. Have you ever been going somewhere and you stop at a certain location and you're in the parking lot. And maybe you just sit in your vehicle and you pray for a few moments before you go in or after you've just come out. Or maybe you're out walking somewhere, maybe for your part of your daily routine and you're praying to God as you're walking on your usual route. Or you're driving to work, perhaps by yourself. In the quiet, you're praying to God. You know, places of solitude, places of protection, they don't have to be overly complicated. They just have to exist so that we can make sure that we do find places that we can find comfort, find protection from this world, and find a time that we can pray to God and be alone with Him. We understand that during Bible classes and worship, this is a place of protection for many of us, hopefully for all of us. It is a place of solitude where we get to be with, uh, away from the world and with brethren. But we have to also realize we need those times of other times throughout the week. A place where we can go and we can feel protected away from the harm of the world and the influence of the world. And a place where we can be alone to pray to God and to read and study His Word. Because when we make time for things such as that, we will become better people for it. We will become more, more, become stronger followers of God. So this evening as you think about these things, you think about the things we have seen from these individuals and the things we have discussed, we can help you or encourage in any way and come forward now as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.